Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. The Bucks, well, they've got a 2-0 lead. And this game was slightly less stressful than game one. The Bucks had this one well in hand very early. A 46-20 to 20 lead after the first quarter. And sometimes I think to myself, getting a big lead like that sets you up for some sort of anxiety. I think I messaged our DM and said, this game is going to be single digits at some point, but it was never close. The Bucks kept the foot down and win this game comfortably. And Frank, I, I think at one point, I called you a wet blanket on the post-game game one pod uh, when we were discussing Giannis. The only wet blanket we need for this podcast is for Bryn Falls because this guy was absolutely scorching hot off the bench. 22 points, six for nine from three. He had more threes in this game alone than the entire Bucks roster had in game one. And it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch when this team does this. They've done it from time to time through the season. But this was a pleasurable experience. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, basically it was a, a flip of game one in terms of three-point shooting. Um, Miami was not as bad as the Bucks were in game one. They were eight out of 28. 29%, but uh, Bucks were slightly better than Miami. 22 out of 53 from three, what, the 15 in the first half, which was pretty remarkable. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think it speaks very well of kind of the Bucks' execution defensively over the first two games and offensively mm-hmm. outside of the three-point line when you factor in the fact that, you know, the Bucks when they got crushed from the three-point line, they win, albeit very unconvincingly. And tonight they turned the tables and I mean, this was obviously just a complete, complete blowout from basically the word go. And I, I agree. I mean, I, you know, it's the NBA, right? <laughs> like it's hard to maintain the same level of, especially that defensive intensity for 48 minutes when you're, when you have a big lead. Uh, but I was just, you know, generally impressed with the fact that I, I don't know if, did it get closer than like 19, 18, 19 points, I think. Uh, thereafter, I mean, that was kind of, kind of, kind of about as close as it got. It felt like when the Bucks really just kept them at arm's length the remainder of the game, and um, you know, as a result, were able to kind of keep it relatively easy nights for for Giannis. Played thirty one minutes, Drew Holiday thirty one. They both some minutes in the fourth quarter, but Chris Middleton just twenty four minutes. Um, you know, any t- you know, I think if you had told us <laughs> that Jordan Wara and Sam Merrill were going to come in and be able to you know get their first playoff buckets. Um, that uh, we would have been pretty thrilled with with that if you had told us. Obviously, it was a, is a win. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm just looking at this game. You know, you, you consider the opponent, you consider it's the playoffs, and you consider the fact that you just you know you just went toe to toe with these guys for you know 15 rounds plus five plus five minutes of overtime. Um, you know, this is a game where hey, Eric Spolz is a great coach. 
you figure he's going to come in with adjustments. You figure Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are going to play much better. Um, I, this was a game that should have been a lot harder than it was. And granted, the three-point shooting obviously was a big part of it. But I'm just trying to think. I mean, have the Bucks had a more impressive 48-minute performance than what we saw tonight? I, you know, I, I think I'm struggling to think of one that that's you know, especially in the context of a playoff opponent who you just beat two days ago and came back and had a chance to right some wrongs. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling to think of a better win this season. You know, the player that stands out to me, and we can go through and there was standout contributors right throughout this, uh, this box score, and you already pointed to the minutes. I mean, for some of these guys, and they have a couple of nights off now, so it probably doesn't really matter, but you know, Giannis and Chris are up playing around 45 minutes in game one. Chris, as you said, only 24 minutes, but Giannis has 31 points, 13 rebounds, six assists in the most quiet 30, 13, and 6 game I think he could possibly have because of everything that was going on around him. But he does that in only 30 minutes. I mean, this was this was cruise control from the start. So in terms of, of what you take away offensively, it did feel, when you talk about, was this the most impressive performance of the season? The stakes and what's you know at stake in this series, you say yes. But I, I don't know what to take from it from Miami right now. And, and I think about Brooke Lopez and the impact that he's having on this series. And if you look at the box score... Brooke Lopez finishes two for five from the field, 0 for three from three, only has seven points, only gets credited with one block. But he has got Bam Adebayo absolutely shook right now. And, and I'm, I'm stunned at, at what we've seen from Bam through these first two games because he he's, he's better than what we've seen. There's no doubt about that. But you pointed to the way they were defending him in game one. And I still feel like at some point, Bam has to shake out of this and he has to just shoot some mid-range jumpers and find a way to score. But he seems completely overwhelmed with the size of not only Brook Lopez, but then the help defense the Bucks are able to throw at him. He's been a complete non-factor to this point. And you're talking about the guy that is the second most important, and some have said the most important to this team with what he can do offensively and facilitate out on the perimeter. But he's been a non-factor. And Brook Lopez has just been huge this series. And the stats aren't going to show it. But the way that he's been able to, I think, get in Bam Adebayo's head and really give Bam nothing when he does try to get down in the post because he's not shooting those mid-range jumpers. They've given him the Ben Simmons defense, and he's not willing to take those shots. Uh, this, is, this, to me, is the biggest factor of why Miami look completely outmatched at the moment is because Bam Adebayo is giving them absolutely nothing. And you look at the box score and you'd say, well, he scored 16 points on 11 shots. Hey, that's a lot better than mm. you know 4 out of 15. But I, I think... The way, you know, you, you call it the Ben Simmons defense. I call it the Andre Drummond defense. I, I'm, I'm having right, visions right. of that playoff series, you know, two years ago, right, against the Detroit Pistons where Brooke Lopez was basically like, wherever Andre Drummond wanted to stand, all right, I'm going to stand five feet by, <laughs> at least five feet, or if yeah. not, you know, 10 feet off of you. And, um, yeah, it's just crazy the, the lack of aggression that we've seen from Bam. Um, you know, I think – on the one hand, he came out tonight and got, I think it was three shots very, very early in this game. And he thought, okay, maybe they're going to try to do something. And he shot a turn on jumper for his first, for the first heat shot of the game. Um, and, you know, unfortunately for that, he misses that shot, misses the next two shots. And it just felt like, okay, here we go again. And he had, got, had a little bit more luck at, at times kind of as, as the game went on. But, you know, four assists, four turnovers, minus 18. And, and just, you know, he's so important as the fulcrum of, you know, that offense in many ways, even though he's not, you know, the, the go-to scorer per se, he is so important with his dribble handoffs and obviously just the athleticism, you know, what he can do on the glass, 
but you know, you look at the box score. I mean, zero re- offensive rebounds, only three defensive rebounds, no blocks, no steals. Um, just, just really struggling to make an impact. And I think the fact that the Bucks can play him the way they do, and he's not really punishing them in any type of real way, is is obviously impacting everybody else on the Heat as well. Because again, so much of what he does is is help facilitate for other guys. And um, you know, we we call up Bam, but I mean, Jimmy Butler. 10 points on 10 shots, minus 34 tonight. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, great players have, have bad games and all that like that. But, you know, I think if you're the Bucks, you just hope that this is – that he's just in uh, – there's just more to this uh, than, than just a one-off game because this is obviously not two games in a row where he hasn't looked close to the player that, that we're used to seeing, certainly the player that we saw in last year's playoffs. And certainly those two guys – I mean, they were better than they were in game one nominally, but it basically didn't matter because the Bucks blitzed the Heat so quickly in this game Then neither of those guys really got on track in any type of major way that it didn't really matter that they hit a few more shots than they did in game one. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, again, I'm, I, if you would have told me that, that Jimmy and Bam would be this poor in those first two games – I mean, I would have, I would have been shocked if you told me that before the series, right? I mean, we just thought these guys were going to leave their impression on this series in a, in a real way. And look, Bucks are only halfway to to getting the four wins they need to advance. And so far, you know, I think you have to be careful to to get too excited because look, they just held serve basically at this point, right? Um, but I think the the fact that Miami had their chances in Game One offensively just could not figure the Bucks defense out and played well defensively against the Bucs, but obviously the Bucs shot themselves in the foot as well a fair bit. And in game two, the Heat really did not show that they have come up with any new answers. And, you know, a 97 offensive rating in game one, a 101 offensive rating in game two. Uh, you know, I think obviously questions about the Heat, but you just have to give the Bucs just tons and tons of credit um, for how well they've defended, the energy they've brought. Um, and, and, man, you know, again, just... Uh, to to top that defensive effort from uh, from sat from Saturday with what we saw tonight overall, I think was just uh, just really impressive. And obviously, I think we knew the offense was going to be better, but I don't think we expected it necessarily to be this much better. But then again, I mean, this is what this Bucks team has has done all year. They've you know they just have these games once a week. It seems like where everything they shoot goes in and. You know, guys like Forbes really show up and make shots. Pat Connaughton, five out of nine from three tonight. He made a bunch of shots. Um, you know, it's not the first time this has happened this year, but it's just really refreshing, obviously, to see it in the playoff series where the stakes are obviously high and the opponent is is difficult. And, you know, again, you just you just hope that it's it's getting in the Heat's heads, right? I mean, we'll see how things go in Miami, but um, obviously nothing would be sweeter next game then just to steal that as well and to go up three nothing and, and try to give you know the kill shot rather than give these guys life which again if they win the next game you know then they're going to start feeling better about themselves but right now man um I, he just looked like a team that just really don't have answers which uh, is not something i was expecting to to say all right frank before we move on let's talk about a new sponsor of the podcast and that is lucy lucy nicotine is a company founded by caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, 
tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Research that developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors. That's wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy also has a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple and you don't even have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Locked on NBA Network listeners, go to lucy.co and use promo code Locked on NBA to get 20% off all your products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code locked on NBA at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer warning this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code locked on NBA and then jump across to rockauto.com. This is not a new sponsor, they've been with us for a long time and we love rockauto.com which is the family business it's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years just go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers the catalog is the best thing about this because it's easy for people like me to navigate and find exactly what i need for my vehicle or truck or scooter or whatever it is i don't know whatever you've got the prices at rockauto.com are the same for me as they would be for the professionals so why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just write locked on in the how did you hear about us box today. Now we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I don't think that we can emphasize how important that game one was and this was this was the big question mark coming into this series what are the bucks going to do not in any series because i don't necessarily think adversity would be a problem you know say if if they made it through and they lost game one i don't think that would be a problem but with this team and the way that they're constructed and the uh the quote-unquote mentality that they have you were a little bit concerned if the Bucks went down in this series early, particularly in game one. And I don't know how much we can put down to the fact that the Bucks won that game, that they came out and played free tonight. Perhaps it was the fact that that was also the first game either team had played in, in a week, a couple of days ago. Maybe it was just that they shook off a bit of the rust, they shot the ball well tonight. I don't know. I don't want to play into the, the media narrative too much there, but they did look free when they came out tonight. And just to get back to... The point you made about Butler and Adebayo, I 100% agree. Right now, it's only a 2-0 lead and things can change very quickly. I think Bucks fans, of all people, understand that. But I'm just looking at this Miami Heat offensive team and I'm looking at the box score right now. And I think that the problem that Miami are having at the moment is the fact that you, you look at this team and Bam and Jimmy, neither of those two attempted a three-point shot. Now, Jimmy was two for nine in that game one and it, and it felt like he was firing away and just just chucking shots up there and I think in general if you're playing against Jimmy Butler you feel fine with that I mean he shot 24% from three all season long but last year in the postseason uh, he actually shot a really high percentage over 40% against the Bucks and I just think with this Bucks defense we talk about the three-point line all the time 
But they got a performance 7 for 13 from Duncan Robinson and they didn't take advantage of it. And tonight, uh, he was only 2 for 6. I didn't think he was a factor at all early in this game, despite the fact that that was probably came down to uh, the Bucks torching them offensively. Everything seemed to be extinguished. But uh, I just think when you're two most important offensive players want to do all their work within the perimeter, you're going to have a hard time against the Bucs. It's just the way it is. And, and it looks to me like Miami are going to have to rely on Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, Goran Dragic, and Tyler Hero to knock down shots from the outside. And I just don't know how sustainable that is. Of course, you expect Butler and Adebayo to get better and, and to improve. It wouldn't be hard, let's be honest. But right now, they're trying to do everything inside and the Bucs are just snuffing everything out. I just I think the thing that jumps up to me is just the... <clears throat> Jimmy and, and Bam, just the lack of aggression. Like, like they're just, you know, like uh, Bam's a really talented guy. Bam can go and dunk on dudes. Bam, can, like Jimmy can put his body in the guys, draw fouls. And we saw a fair bit of that in game one. He's very savvy at using his body to try to draw fouls, even when he doesn't have like a, an obvious physical advantage, which I think that's what a, a big reason why putting Giannis on Jimmy has been such a great, you know, switch up in terms of philosophy. It's something that, you know, the Lakers had some success with at times with Anthony Davis in last year's finals, you know, putting a big body, big athletic guy on Jimmy. The fact that Jimmy's not obviously that knockdown jump shooter from the outside means he's, he's not going to go hunting those shots. Even if, you know, at times as we saw in the last game, he's willing to put some of those up, but um, yeah, just, just the lack of decisiveness. Uh, We saw Jimmy drive and Giannis blocked him from behind early going tonight. Um, and then from there on out, it just felt like those guys like really didn't really just were afraid to kind of attack. And, um, you know, on the flip side, you know, you mentioned Giannis, obviously he hits the first pass of the game, just a casual pull up three out of a, uh, an inbound, um, and subsequently misses all six of his other threes in the game. But, you know, it kind of was one of those things where that the first one was the most important because it kind of set the tone, gave the bucks, that initial lead, which, you know, they go wire to wire. And the fact that Giannis and Dante hit the two threes early, right? Giannis hits a three, then Giannis attacks in transition, goes right through Ariza for a layup to make it five, nothing. And then Dante hits a three uh, early in, in the clock uh, from the left wing to give the bucks. I think it was eight, nothing at that point. Um, you know, seeing the ball and go in for those two guys, I think was especially important. You weren't, you know, th- those are obviously kind of guys that, that, from the this from the perimeter kind of run the most hot and cold and that you do you know certainly Dante you want to it's important that he be able to shoot a little bit ironically neither Dante nor Giannis hit another three the rest of the game they were two out of 13 but that sort of set the tone early and you know with Giannis I think um he was just very active I thought they did a nice job using him in that screen and roll game getting him in the dunker spot Chris found him um, a, a couple of times for dunks uh, Pat Connaughton found him, you know, Pat curling off a screen finds Giannis, uh, for, for a dunk as well. So they got Giannis kind of going early, uh, getting him some buckets and, uh, you know, he had, I think what, 15 at halftime. And, uh, obviously, you know, Brent Forbes just coming off the bench, um, you know, doing exactly what you want to do, giving you that, um, that change of pace off the bench when you don't have your, all your starters out there, uh, which, you know, again, We've talked about this. This is what I love about Forbes coming off the bench rather than starting, you know, with the starters. Yeah. With the starters, you've got, you know, your four best offensive players, arguably Giannis, Chris, Drew, and Brooke. 
you got those guys. They don't, they don't need a dude who's going to go hunting shots as much as Dante. Let's be honest. Sometimes probably hunts more shots than you like, but, um, but you know, you, you don't need a, a shooter, a guy that's out there that you're, that you're running actions for. Uh, but then you bring in Forbes against those second units and uh, you know, he came out right away and again, um, hit a couple open threes and then really started feeling it and hit that leaner. That was, you know, definitely a more of a heat check shot. Um, and, uh, you know, at that point, Bucks were just rolling. What was it? 29, 10. That, that's when it really kind of felt like, all right, you know, this game is felt like it was blown open. Cause I think, I think the, he got to what, like 21, 10 or something like that. And then Bucks just ripped off. Um, I think it was NATO run at that point. And, uh, you really felt like, man, th- this building is, is rocking and the bench is going nuts. And the, t- you know, everybody's just really feeding off of those bench guys hitting threes and most notably Forbes, but then Connaughton got in the act too. So, um, yeah, just, just a lot of fun. And you know, ultimately Drew holiday, 11 points on 12 shots, really didn't need him scoring. He had 15 assists, a couple steals, seven rebounds, plus 37 in the game for Drew holiday. Um, loved some of his defense. They were again, uh, as Eric name mentioned in, in his story, bud was pulling him early so that he could stay as matched up as possible with, um, Goran Dragic, who was at least somewhat human in today's game, still at 18 points on 11 shots, which obviously is there are very good numbers. But um, you know, I think again, Drew made an impact even if he wasn't scoring a ton of points. And Chris Middleton, 17 points on five shots, <laughs> four, four out of five, four out of five from the field, hit three out of three from three, six out of six free throws, 17 points in 24 minutes. So, um, you know, not, not a huge scoring night from Chris, but about as efficient as, as you're going to be able to get. So big three, again, doing what they do. And, um, you know, I think we can talk more about Giannis, but, um, six out of seven from the free throw line, obviously very good to see that. And I don't, I didn't notice any real change in his free throw routine. Maybe it was just a little bit quicker, pretty much the same routine he normally goes through. But, uh, thankfully tonight they were going down after he did miss his first free throw and then made subsequent six. So. Um, obviously that'll be something that we'll continue to watch just given his history of free throw shooting in the playoffs. But um, yeah, not, not a lot, not a lot to complain about from a Bucks perspective when you go up and down the lineup with just the, the effort level and the, the performances we got. And I think the other thing too is th- this might've been the best. I, this, I, I, I bet this was the best offensive rebounding performance of the season for the Bucks, mm-hmm. which really gets lost in the shuffle because they made all those threes. But um 21 offensive rebounds. They had a 44% offensive rebound rate, which is just absurd. They got an 82% defensive rebound rate. And then they collected 44% of their own misses. They rebounded. Giannis had six offensive rebounds. Um, Basically, everybody had one or two offensive rebounds. Bryn Forbes was the only guy from the rotation that did not have an offensive rebound. And I think you were okay with what he provided uh, with his 8 out of 12 shooting and 22 points. So, um, yeah, it just felt like the Bucks were buzzing and um, crashing the glass. Dante was doing his Dante thing where he just comes flying in for offensive rebounds, which is another reason why I, I like having him with the starters because he just does that random garbage man type stuff, um, even when he's not scoring, that that I feel like you know contributes to winning. And um, so, yeah, tough, tough to find much to complain about on a night like this. And obviously this is one that you're going to look at and uh, you don't have a long time to celebrate it because game three is in the offing. But, um, you know, I think certainly uh, a game that uh, hopefully the fans will appreciate everybody who was at Fiserv tonight was treated to a real show. And um, certainly uh, 
hopefully that's just a sign of what's to come from the Bucks. All right, Frank, betonline.ag time. And I haven't checked BetOnline since we started recording this podcast or since the final buzzer in game two, but I do have a feeling the Bucks might be strong favorites to take out this first round series, but you can check it all out because bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Get all the latest odds and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out the great sporting news, sign up bonuses and contest information. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on for that. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Milwaukee actually shot 24 for 41 on twos. And it is interesting. I'd have to go back and check it out, but they were 22 for 53 on threes. And you know, generally when you're shooting a lot of threes, you do get the opportunities to get those long rebounds. And the two guys you pointed to with Pat Connaughton and Dante, I think they do it. Yeah. They'd be right up there for guards in terms of their offensive rebounding. They always fly in there and you get those long rebounds. So um, they certainly benefited from that. There's no doubt, but they were just engaged and do you know the other stat that stands out to me, Frank? 34 assists tonight for the Bucs. Obviously a high number. Do you know who had zero? Uh, well, I have the Bucs in front of him, so I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be cheating. But, but uh, go ahead. I, I won't, I won't, uh, I won't try, to, try to guess. Well, Brent Forbes, obviously. That's, that's, that's the obvious <laughs> one. <laughs> come, hey, come on, Brent. We can, we can give you a pass tonight for not, uh, not dishing the ball away. It was so funny in the postgame. I really like Bryn Forbes. He's such an interesting character. Uh, because he's he's low key, he's a quiet guy, but he gets this cheeky little smile on his face anytime you ask him about uh, being hot or or feeling it or you know whatever whatever the term you want to use. And he was asked a bunch of questions tonight, and and he, it was honestly very entertaining. Go back and check it out just to see his attitude uh, towards it. And uh, he, I asked him whether he tells the guys during the timeout. So he hits that second three. I think it was his second to make it 29 to 10. And I said, are you talking to the guys? Are you saying, get me the ball? Uh, I've got the hot hand. And he just got this big smile on his face. And he's like, nah, man. He's like, I never need to tell him. Drew Drew gives me the ball. And he's like, I, I, they know I'm hot. Everyone knows I'm hot. They just pass me the ball and I shoot it. And just like the attitude that he has for a guy that, you know, on the outside and you see him, he's so quiet. He's not very uh, you know, dramatic or in any of his movements or anything like that. But he's got the confidence of a shooter. And I couldn't help tonight but think about this. And, and those that listened to the episode yesterday would have heard me with Justin say that, the, the reality is that you were looking at game one and thinking to yourself, okay, well, are the Bucs going to shoot threes? We, we haven't seen them do that in series that matter the last two years. They haven't been able to knock down open threes. They acquired these guys to do it. And, and not only Bryn Forbes, but uh, Bobby Portis was also two for three. You already mentioned Pat and PJ Tucker hit a corner three as well. So these are the guys that have come into the team and they stood up tonight and they knocked down the shots. Now, uh, clearly, you're not going to replicate 22 threes per night. But I say this all the time. These series, you, you think you know what you're going to get from the stars. And I think we've got solid play from Giannis, Chris, and Drew through two games here. But when you have a role player have a huge night, you have to take advantage of that and win. You mentioned it after game one, Frank. The, the Heat had the Goran Dragic game and the Duncan Robertson game. Now, you know, Robertson is, is truly a role player and he starts. But I think that we can put him in the Bryn Forbes category in terms of what else does he actually do? The Bucs have been picking on him defensively. Uh, through these two games and right through the regular season. But if he's hot and he hits seven threes, clearly he's playable. 
Tonight he was only two for six, and the and the Heat didn't take advantage of his big game. The Bucks took advantage of the Bryn Forbes game, and and ultimately, sometimes in this series, and I still think there's a chance this could be a long series. That's what you look back on, and you look back on the performances from these guys and say, did we take advantage when these guys were hot and really delivered? Because again, you're not going to get six for nine from Bryn every night. I would love it. I would love it, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that I think you always look for in the playoffs is is role players. You know, the the, the general conventionalism is role players always seem to play better at home, right? They they seem to feed yeah. more off of that home crowd, and um, so I think that's certainly something that you know we'll see uh, when when the tables turn here and and the series heads to Miami. You know, can the Bucks still get contributions? And again, maybe not this type of contribution from Ben Forbes, but you know, he's a guy, it's important that he can come in and, and give you, you know, two, three threes to kind of help steady those, those second unit offenses. Um, and I think again, that the fact that you are amping up at least not, not tonight necessarily because of the, the score the scoreboard, but you know, in game one, we saw you can amp up your min, your minutes for your best players it means you don't need quite as much of that, obviously, because, uh, you know, you just, you're just not relying as much on your bench unit, but uh, he's obviously a guy when he's in the game, we know he's in the game for, he's in the game to shoot, right? He's not in the game to pass um, as much as I sometimes wish he might pass to Giannis on those little pick and roll type situations every once in a while. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, it was, um, it was obviously a, just a, a great performance. I, I thought it was interesting. Um, you mentioned Bobby Portis, um, 11 points from him, three out of six from the field, five rebounds, plus 18. He had a block, had a steal. Uh, I thought it was an interesting game from him because we talked about how the Heat really didn't exploit him a whole lot in the first game. They were able to get away with, you know, Bobby being out on the floor, especially relative to to Brooke Lopez. Obviously, that's a, a very big difference going from from Brooke to Bobby in terms of just obviously the level of rim protection there. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it seemed like the Heat were trying to attack him a little bit more proactively. They had some success. Um, they were definitely able to get a lot more going to the basket when Bobby was in there. And I think part of that probably too, because we saw a fair bit of Bobby and PJ Tucker run together, which obviously, you know, the rim protection when you take out both Giannis and uh, Brooke is, is going to fall off significantly. Um, but credit to Bobby as well. I mean, he had a couple, he had that, he had a strip, he had a block, um, you know, he tried to compete. And again, I think, you know, the, one of my biggest complaints last year was, you know, just this vision of Marvin Williams playing drop coverage when he was an undersized yeah, five and it's right. just like, you know, like, what are you, that's just not how you use a guy like that. And, um, you know, Bobby, they're not, they don't, Bobby is not defending Bam Adebayo like, like Brooke does. Um, although I also found it funny. I think it was late in the second quarter. There was one possession where Brooke or where Bam like had the ball and he was kind of like, you know, he had sort of basically only Bobby Portis in front of him and he ended up not even really looking to to put him in the post or, or go to the basket or anything. And I just remember thinking like, that's not a good sign if you're, you know, bam out of bio and, and you feel like you can't really attack Bobby, Bobby Portis one-on-one. And again, that's not so much a shot at Bobby, but um, look, Bobby is not Brooke. You know, if you're going to try to post up the buck center, you should probably do it when Bobby's in the game rather than Brooke Lopez and for Bam not to even really be like really trying to aggressively look for that, um, you know, obviously just seems to indicate again that that he's obviously not probably not feeling super confident right now. Um, so I, uh, yeah, well, obviously a lot a lot to like up and down the bench. We mentioned Pat; um, he was just 
you know, gunning from three <laughs> with no conscience. He was in a, another big part of that three point explosion in the first half with, with five plus five threes. So, um, so yeah, you know, that obviously you, you could say the, you know, save it for, save some of these for Miami, but, um, I think certainly, uh, just look up and down the box score, just exciting to see the way that, uh, the team came together and contributed and, um, you know, top to bottom, just obviously a, a really impressive performance. And, and again, I think, all things being equal, you know, players, coaches, tactics, all that. Um, I think, you know, this was as, as thorough and impressive a win probably as the Bucks have had this season. So um, can't ask for much more from that from a game two, but now you got to just do it two more times and, and then move on and worry about uh, potentially the Nets here next, but still uh, still a ways to go before before you can think about that. Yeah, no question. And we've got a couple of days here before game three. So we're going to have, much more time to go through different takeaways and things we're looking ahead to for the rest of the series. The one last one I wanted to wrap up this game with Frank. Uh, we know that Miami are a physical team. Uh, Giannis even pointed to that in the post game. Uh, I think he was asked about the physical play in the third quarter. And he said, yeah, well, that's what makes Miami great. They play physical. They're going to shove you. They're going to make things, um, you know, try and intimidate you, whatever it may be. And it did stand out to me tonight that when Miami and look, the scoreboard, when you're leading by that much, maybe it doesn't matter. But again, it was just a nice little reminder that I think when you look at the additions the Bucks have made with Drew Holiday and PJ Tucker and Bobby Portis, this team is just tougher. I don't think that you can deny that. And I don't look at these two teams anymore and think, well, oh, Miami's, you know, physically, they're a team that might be able to bully the Bucs. I, I just don't see it anymore. And when the game got a little bit chippy, and let's be honest, Miami were getting blown out. There's two flagrant calls in the third quarter. Trevor Ariza, I don't know what he was trying to do on Giannis. There's very weird behavior from him after, you know, really, he was not stopping Giannis at all. It was just, it was very strange. Uh, Goran Dragic was up to his old tricks trying to, I don't know, lock up Middleton's leg there, and he got called for a tech for that. So Miami were clearly, I don't know, trying to shake things up a little bit. They couldn't do it on the floor playing basketball. So they said, well, let's see if we can rattle the cage a little bit. And the Bucs were just a team now that are just like, okay, fine, we're beating you. Drew Holiday was smiling and laughing at Goran Dragic there after he got the tech. I think he was just like, what are you doing, man? Like, it's ridiculous. This isn't basketball. So I think that this team has got tougher as well. And PJ Tucker, I've been impressed in his minutes, 18 minutes in game one, 18 minutes in game two. A little bit different in the way that they've utilized him. Brook Lopez played fewer minutes tonight, but he's playing on guards a lot more. He's out on the perimeter. I think we've seen the effectiveness of uh, his ability to switch, his communication, um, I, I just I like the makeup physically in this matchup where it always felt like Miami had that over them. Yeah, the let's talk about the Ariza play because I mean an incredible play for Giannis to be able to finish oh. that layup while he's basically being pulled to the ground by by Trevor Ariza and I mean you can say oh Ariza's trying to catch him. It's like well Ariza's falling down so like him grabbing onto Giannis, uh, we can debate if that's helping or, <laughs> or hurting the situation. I mean, it's a dangerous play. I mean, they both end up up against the stanchion. Thankfully, um, you know, they fell before they you know collided head first into that thing. Cause obviously uh, it can just be really dangerous potentially there. So um, I mean, look, I, Giannis is, I mean, I don't know how you stop Giannis. I, I I'm willing to forgive the initial foul there. When I saw the replay where Ariza, I mean, clearly puts one hand on the top of Giannis's chest, the other on his groin, and pushes himself up off of Giannis that way, 
I mean, I was, I was furious in my, in my, in my house. I was literally like, they better review that. Cause that's, I mean, that's ridiculous. That's just Bush league. Like what the hell was that? I mean, Ariza's not, doesn't have a rep as like a dirty player or anything. Can I just so say, I every was, time people say Bush League, I take that personally offensive because Australia is the bush, so you're saying that's what Australians would do? Is that, is that what the, where the term comes from? Uh, uh, yeah, I always I take mean, personal offense to that. Yeah, yeah, you can take offense at it. <laughs> um, it's an Aussie, an Aussie, dirty Aussie type type <laughs> yeah, <move>. exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I always just saw that. I'm just like, seriously? Like, that was crap. You, you, you think that's like, uh, an acceptable thing for one professional to do to another. Giannis is always just laying there. Like he's not doing anything to you. He didn't jump on you. He didn't do anything to you. You landed on him, tackled him to the ground. Now you're pushing yourself off rather than like rolling off of him. Like what the F was that? And first off, I don't know how Giannis like, I don't know. I don't know where, where he pushed off, but the fact that that didn't hurt Giannis, he kind of was, he may have hurt his like, his chest a little bit like he was kind of grimacing a little bit as he got up but it was definitely refreshing you know especially given what we saw from uh lebron in these past couple oh of games where lebron has you know been making a meal making a meal out of you know everything to draw attention to it um you know if i mean if you're Giannis, if, if Giannis put on it, it's ironic we saw Giannis also after another hard foul just lay on the ground, just sort of take it. Love to see Bobby Portis getting mixed up in the, after that play when Giannis got kind of wrapped up. And Bielitsa wasn't a dirty foul, but it was just very physical and he's, you know, basically dragged him to the ground sort of in slow motion. But um, I love seeing Bobby Portis just basically get in there and put his arm, you know, out so that nobody could get near Giannis. Um, that was well worth the technical foul. And Giannis just gets up and starts juggling the ball with his feet uh, like the soccer-loving player, player that he is. Um, By the way, yeah, I, I, Eric asked him after the game, I need to jump in here, said, I think he had eight or nine and he called him uppy downies or something and Giannis was yeah. thoroughly confused by what he meant by that. But anyway, then he finally figured out what he was talking about and Giannis shrugged his shoulders and said, eight or nine? He's like, I can do normally 300. He's like, I played soccer when I was a kid. I actually wanted to play soccer, not basketball. So he completely shrugged it off, not even a smile. So he was, he was actually disappointed with his performance. <laughs> Um, I thought that was the perfect reaction because it was basically like, I'm not going to get frustrated. I'm not going to let, you know, the, the frustration bullshit like kind of get to me. I'm just going to roll with it um, and knock down my free throws. Right. I mean, what, what better response? He completed the three point play on the Ariza flagrant. He hit the next two free throws after that foul. Um, you know, the best revenge is make your free, <laughs> make your free throws, especially if you're Giannis, given his history. Um, so I, that was very refreshing uh, to see overall. Um, but yeah, I, I was, um, I was just baffled by that Ariza move. That that's still just to me is just like to push off on another human being. Like when you're getting like that, I, I again, I'm just amazed that Giannis didn't that it didn't hurt. Um, and if he had just, you know, if he had been, you know, he played like a, so he looked like a soccer player when he was dribbling, but he, he was a real soccer player. He would have like immediately pulled, grabbed his, his junk and LeBron. started, he would have, yeah, he would have been writhing around on the ground in pain. And, you know, who knows, they might've tossed, I mean, they may very well have tossed Ariza after that. Um, so anyway, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, definitely some of that frustration boiling over and, you know, not surprising. Um, it doesn't seem, I mean, for all the you know history between these teams as far as the last year, 
I don't, I don't know that there's necessarily like, even the way they play. It doesn't seem like we've had like, like much really like kind of, I don't know. I'm trying to remember like if there's been much like kind of bad blood, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I don't think we've had like a lot of flagrant fouls and stuff like that. Maybe I'm forgetting some, but um, yeah, let's just say it. Once Giannis got tackled by reason, my, my mind started going to, all right, best outcome at this point is like, we just get these guys, you know, on the bench and, healthy and uh, to Miami in one piece. Cause that definitely, you know, look, stuff happens. Guys get teams get frustrated when they're getting blown out. And, um, you know, with, with your best players out there and the way that they play, uh, you always worry a little bit that, that maybe something can happen. So yeah, long story short, very happy with the honest's response tonight. Uh, would have liked to maybe see fewer of those like attempted kill shot threes. Um, in the second half, but, uh, you know, if he had made one, it would have been, would have been a lot of fun. So, anyway, uh, overall though, yeah, not, not a whole lot we're going to be able to find to complain about tonight. All right. As we wrap this up, uh, remind everyone that if you want to get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes, you can do that with a locked on today podcast host, Peter Bukowski, as we all know, also from locked on Packers, he's going to update you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. If you haven't heard enough of my voice, I think I might be on the show tomorrow. So follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey Odyssey app as I lose my voice or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Bucks are up, two zip. Like I said, two nights off. And then game three in Miami. That's another 6.30 p.m. tip down there. So uh, I think as we've both pointed to, I mean, this is one of those situations. This was this is what the playoff spring, Frank. It was like such an enjoyable game tonight and stress-free and you loved everything about it. But uh, now you say, okay, now we go to Miami and you've got to take advantage of that. We've been here before. You have to take your chances, hit your free throws and get that game three and then you can really break the back of the heat. So that's what we're looking for from game three down in Miami, which by the way, I think they're going to have up to 17,000 fans. So I'm expecting uh, that the atmosphere will be pretty intense down there when the Miami Heat fans decide to show up halfway through the second quarter. Frank? <laughs> I, I was going to say, they never show up on time, even when, <laughs> even in the good old days of LeBron. Like it was always like, you know, looked like it was half empty because people arrived so late. But yeah, so, so make sure to get off to a really fast start before people yep. show up, I guess, yeah. is the, is, is the, uh, the, the it'll, be the, it'll be the Abraham uh, Simpson gift. They'll walk in, see the scoreboard and walk straight out. That's what we're looking for uh, by the midway point of the second quarter. All right, let's wrap it up. For Frank and for myself, uh, make sure you check out the podcast through the week. We're not just doing post-game. We're here every day. So check that out. Uh, stay safe. Enjoy a couple of days off basking in the glory of a Bucks game to blow out. And we'll catch you guys tomorrow.